Awesome. Hey, everyone. Hello. Um, my name's Kieran, as Ruth said. Thanks for the intro. Um, you might know me as Bex's husband, because that's how I've come to be known. Um, lovely Bex, who is my wife. She's on the staff here. She deserves a shout out. So everyone give a woo for Bex. <laughs> Um, no, it is such a pleasure to be able to share with you today. Um, and I also do want to give a shout out to um, West London. Um, well, I'm part of the Ealing Hub. Um, we've got some people here from, from that hub and also was part of Hammersmith Hub back in the day too. Um, so yeah, just three, three times quiz winning Hammersmith Hub. Um, <laughs> Well, today we're continuing our series with me. This is our journey through Psalm 23, um, this amazing song written by King David. And what we're doing, if you haven't been part of it so far, um, we're taking one verse each week and unpacking what it means, what it means for us to know God as a good shepherd who guides us through life's ups and downs uh, and through the valleys of life as he leads us to green pastures. So like we always do, we're going to read through the, the psalm together, um, and then we'll zoom in on the part that we're going to focus on today. So let's read this together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Well, the part we're zooming in on today is verse 5, which says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And you might have noticed that this is quite a change of scene from the rest of the psalm. Up until now, it's been a bit more like a David Attenborough doco. It's sheep, pastures, waters, valleys. And suddenly it shifts to this table where there's this feast prepared. Even though enemies look on, there's good food, the guests are honored, and the wine overflows. Now, I have to say that as a New Zealander, it does feel a bit cruel that I'm sharing with you today on the one part that doesn't really lend itself well to sheep facts. <laughs> I mean, especially when you consider that New Zealand has the highest sheep-to-person ratio of any country, <laughs> hovering around seven sheep per person. Just got a sheep fact in there anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway, coming back. <laughs> in the shift of imagery from the good shepherd to the good host. David is, King David is showing something really important here. We see that the God who leads and guides and refreshes and defends us is also the God who is present with us in the midst of whatever struggle we face. And he's present with an abundant, generous love. And what I want to share today is that we can experience this kind of intimacy with Jesus by accepting his invitation to the table. Does that sound all right? All right, cool. So if you were there in week one for the series, Pete was sharing these little snippets of uh, sum summarizing each of these verses in the form of a beatitude. And for verse five, it went like this. Blessed are the surrounded 
for they will be defended by Christ the shepherd. Uh, Before we go on, uh, let's just pray. Lord, I thank you for your presence here. Thank you that you're speaking. Thank you that we can share in your generous table and that we can know you no matter what we face. And I pray, Lord, that you'd be with, uh, with me as I, as I share, that you'd be in this place, and that for every one of us, there'd be something of your truth to take away from today. Amen. Okay, so the backdrop for this little scene in verse 5 uh, is the presence of enemies. And it doesn't really say who or why they're enemies, but David was no stranger to people who wanted to cause him harm. In Psalm 31, he wrote this, Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. (laughs) I laughed there from Ruth. I don't know why. But he was such a target of hate and hostility that even his mates didn't want anything to do with him. And so for him, this, this description of presence of my enemies, it's a very literal, tangible thing. I realize for us in the room as we come to this verse, we'll probably be, we'll probably relate to it in quite a lot of different ways. It could be that your reality is that you have an actual enemy that comes to mind when you hear this. But for others, your experience of struggle or opposition might come in a different way. It could be the external pressure from life that you feel that just weighs really heavily on you. It could be a particular temptation or habit that you just can't seem to shake. Or it might be breakdown in family relationships, ongoing illness, loneliness, whatever it is. Because of the brokenness of our world, we all have experience encountering times of suffering. And it's in this verse that we see that right in the middle of it, God is present with us at the table. So there are three parts of this banqueting table that I want to highlight today. There's always three. Um, And each of them comes with an invitation. So first, we see that this is a table of abundance. And I've just realized I've got a clicker up here that I'm not using. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, Lewis, out the back. Um, So it's a table of abundance. This isn't one of those potluck dinners where everyone's just bought a bag of crisps. This is a feast. Uh, In Middle Eastern culture at the time, the way that someone would show that they're wealthy was by the kind of banquets that they put on. It was part dramatic hospitality and part flex. Uh, You know, they're friends and strangers alike with three times as much food as they needed. Um, And we see that kind of dramatic hospitality here. David says, my cup overflows. It's this picture of the host hovering, ready to rush over and top up the wine as each sip is taken. To be honest, it sounds a little bit annoyingly messy, but um, that's beside the point. David says that not only this, but that it's God who's the one who prepares the table. He pours this wine and anoints his head with oil. And this is a way of showing a guest that they're honored, welcomed, and loved. It's a lavish gesture. So just to keep moving, what can we take away from this? Even when we're up against challenges that are beyond us, God prepares a table of abundance. And sometimes this, does, this can look like a breakthrough with um, things that we've been praying for around family and housing and jobs. We, we can and should hold faith for that kind of provision. And I've seen it time and time again in these answers to prayer. But it's also worth noticing that in this psalm, David isn't getting airlifted out of his battle. His enemies just haven't, haven't just disappeared. 
Instead, this is a picture of God entering his situation and providing what he needs to sustain him. He's got nothing to prove. The anointing, the cup overflowing, it's initiated by God. And sometimes his provision looks like renewing your strength to sustain you. Sometimes it's new hope in the middle of a storm. God knows what we need. So there's an invitation that comes with this. And the invitation is to trust. Trust in God's presence and provision. We're invited to come to the table of abundance, expecting to encounter God's presence and provision. And it's in his nature to provide. First and foremost, it's his empowering presence to sustain us and give strength. Um, But it's also for the things that we need. I want to be really clear and, and, and make sure that you know that I'm not saying that God is like an ATM, that we're, just if we pray hard enough, we'll get all the things we want and our problems will go away. Um, he, but he does know what we need and he meets, we, meets us where we are. You know, trusting God like this, uh, it often looks like bringing it to him in prayer. And sometimes that's bringing it repeatedly. And sometimes it means shifting our attitude and being willing to trust that God actually wants to meet us in our need. Um, there's this story uh, from, that comes to mind when I think about this, and I, I wasn't sure whether to share it, but I'm going to, um, from when I was a kid. And uh, we used to go to this pizza shop. Um, it wasn't great. But um, there was this arcade machine, and I always wanted to play it, but we never had the money to. And so I'd do that thing where you'd kind of mess around with the controls, but you weren't actually playing the game. And <laughs> one day this, uh, this guy came up to me and said, oh, I, would you like to play? I'll, I'll pay for you. And I remember in that moment, I was just a kid thinking, oh, I don't know, why would you want to do that for me? I don't want you to waste your money on me, <laughs> which was quite a weird thing for a kid to think. Um, and so I, I kind of fumbled the moment and just said, oh, no, 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 don't worry. And he's like, okay. And, and I saw him go back to where he was, and it was behind the counter, and he had taken a coin from the till, and he had just wanted to give this experience to me um, as a gift that was free. Um, and when I, when I think about that, I think sometimes we can do that with God and the things that he wants to meet us in our lives with, that... Last week, if you were here, Pete shared about some of the things that have been going on with an outpouring or renewal of, of, at Asbury. And um, one of the things he shared is that I wanted, he wanted to be there because he didn't want to miss out on what God was doing. Um, and that's what I think about with this story too, is that looking back at that, I, I never want to have that attitude to God. If he's wanting to meet me in my circumstances, I don't want to miss out on that. So if you're on a pl- in a place of lack or if fear and anxiety are overwhelming you, then there's an invitation for you to God's table of abundance. And accepting that invitation looks like putting your trust in him. Okay, next, it's also a table of defiance. Now in this scene, it would have infuriated David's enemies to see him treated as the guest of honor right in front of them. Sitting to eat at the table like this would have kind of been a power move. You know, it's a way of disrespecting the threat that the enemy poses. And in this sense, joining the feast can be a subversive act. Uh, One of the KXC-isms that you probably would have heard uh, if you've been around for a while is the story you live in is the story you live out. And part of our humanness 
is that we live and breathe stories. They're, they're powerful, not just movies and books, but the story that we hold about God, about ourselves and others, it has a massive impact on the way that we live. And here's the thing, the enemy likes to keep us distracted with wonky stories, usually about how we're not good enough or successful enough or worthy enough of God's love. We're surrounded by competing narratives and these can get under our skin. Um, there's a book called Live No Lies by uh, John Mark Comer, who, who's a pastor and author, and he put it this way. He said, our war against the three enemies of the soul, and he talks about these three enemies being the devil, the flesh, and the world. Read the book to unpack that. But um, our war is not a war of guns and bombs. It's not against other people at all. It's a war on lies. And the problem is less that we tell lies and more that we live them. We let false narratives about reality into our bodies, and they wreak havoc on our souls. See, David's given a choice here, either to live in the story defined by his enemies, or to live in the story defined by God's table. And it's here that his struggles are actually put into the true context, that he can have confidence and hope in God, even when he feels surrounded. So the invitation here for us is to choose to live in Jesus' story. This is an act of defiance. We're surrounded by so many narratives that can rob us of joy. But, but God invites us to be formed by his story, which is that Jesus died for us, and he's risen, and he shares his new life with us, and that the enemy doesn't get to have the final say over who we are. In fact, the victory over the enemy has already been secured. Jesus makes this contrast really strongly in John 10.10. 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. So David can have confidence and hope in God, even when he feels surrounded. And the same is true for us. When we meet God at the table, we can find hope and even joy and peace, even while we're going through life's tough stuff. Uh, you may have heard of a Dutch lady called Corrie ten Boom. And she was an amazing lady who, uh, during uh, Nazi occupation of Holland, um, chose to hide Jewish people who were trying to escape for their lives. And they created this narrow space in this, behind this false wall. I think they could hold up to six people. Um, and they reckoned that over time, the family's decision to do that and their network of resistance people saved the lives of about 800 people, which is phenomenal. But what I like about this is that in this house where they were hiding, literally surrounded by enemies, um, they would do everything they could to make it a place of welcome, of hospitality. They would play music together. They would rehearse and perform plays together. And I think this is just a, a picture of what, it like, what it's like to live in a different story while surrounded. Even while going through the worst, their defiant hospitality let them live out a different story. So for us, we need to remind ourselves daily that we live out of Jesus' truth. If we accept the invitation to God's table of defiance, we can find hope, joy, and peace. Okay, and lastly, it's a table of intimacy. If we zoom out and look at the context of the whole psalm, we find it hinges on the central point that David is making through the whole thing. God is with me. Hence the name of the series. Uh, you might remember from one of Pete's slides this, um, this shape that the 
the text takes, which is on this very small text. But the, the main thing is the overall contour, that in the middle is this truth, that God is with David, and everything else reflects off that in this symmetrical shape. And this was a common way of highlighting the most important truth. But we also see here this shift from a language from in, in language from he saying saying he makes me lie down in green pastures to you from the third person to the second person you prepare a table before me and there's this movement through the whole psalm towards intimacy as David encounters the Lord at this table we see that in this place that could potentially be quite isolating um, in the presence of enemies that God draws close. And every line of the psalm is about that truth. So the point is this, that there's closeness and fellowship around this table. There's something about sharing a meal together that builds relationships. And I think God's designed it this way for a reason. When we eat together, we're vulnerable. Perhaps it's something about sharing our need for sustenance, our, our daily bread, if you like. I think this is why Jesus was in the habit of sharing meals with his disciples and people he wanted to reach. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but also when you're sitting at a table, there's, some, there's kind of a unique physical closeness about it too. If you took the table away, you'd be awkwardly close to each other, like knee to knee. But there's something about being at the table that makes it make sense. Here's the thing. Our deepest need is to experience intimacy with God. And this is true all the time, but we feel this most acutely when we're in a place of struggle or suffering. And what we see in this passage is that God doesn't intend for us to be alone. Just like sheep who are vulnerable when they're separated from the flock or from the shepherd, we're vulnerable when we're disconnected from him. So what's the invitation here? The invitation is to make space for him daily. When you find yourself isolated, distracted, and alone, God invites you to this table of intimacy. And accepting this invitation looks like creating space. It means carving out time to be with him. This isn't about striving or achieving because God prepares the table. He's already with us. It's more like saying yes and surrendering control. If we truly trust that he has won the battle, then we can sit in stillness and quiet with him, even when we're surrounded by noise and confusion. So I just want to encourage you on this, to carve out space to be with him every day and turn your attention to him, because this is where life is. One of the things that we're hearing from this movement uh, of God um, that people have seen in Asbury and other places is that there's this move to restore intimacy, this closeness with God. And I don't know how these things work, but it seems like God's doing something across the world. This can be our prayer too. So I'm going to come into land there. And I just want to finish by saying that our response is shaped ultimately by how we see God. Are you willing to accept his invitations to the table? The invitation to trust, to live in Jesus' story, to make space. And are you wanting to experience the table of abundance, that table of defiance, and the table of intimacy? Intimacy.